Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is Surviving the Badge, and we welcome you to the podcast. Tonight, we are going to be talking about Lieutenant Joe Clark, who was murdered while standing in his kitchen at his own home. And this murder occurred many, many years ago. We'll get into all the details and everything else. You won't want to miss this because this is one cold case that I am very glad was finally um, solved. Okay, John. All right. Let's do the beer moment. So tonight we're going to try... Uh, Citrus Siesta from Cigar City Brewing. Um, it's a golden ale brewed with orange, lime, and salt. I'm guessing it's going to be kind of like a margarita. So not made with cigars? No. Okay. That's cool. It's, it, it's an easy drinking beer. Uh, I'll give it that. It has no taste. I, 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 I'm not going to say it has no taste. It has small uh, a small amount of taste. It has fizz. <laughs> I am going to give this Yes, but I believe the fizz is shaved <laughs> If you can shave fizz, I think they've done it I believe so What's your rating, John? Um, I'm actually going to give it a 5 I'm going to give it a 3.5 for its lack of flavor What's the, um, what's the alcohol content on it? It's pretty, probably pretty low, it like a is, 3 or a 4 Yeah, it's got to yeah. be anyway, 4.5 yeah. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, and the worst thing is, I love salt. Right. Who and doesn't? I don't. I don't taste any salt at all. Me neither. I don't either. And I don't taste you know, any I mean, lime or. And anything I've actually else. seen people put salt in beer. Yeah, I've seen that too. Oh yeah. Okay. The old days. And I, I definitely want to put salt in this beer. Right. Uh, so that um, we would like to thank our sponsor, Kenny's Grocery, for our beer tonight. Thank you, Kenny's. Uh, they are located at. In Orange City at the intersection of French Avenue and 1792, if you're interested in any of these beers, we've, we have 20, 21 episodes, give or take. Um, we try a new beer every one. And if you're Except like, for that one where you made fun of me and said, I wouldn't drink the brown stuff. <laughs> That's true. We did do a, you're right, we did do a, uh, a bourbon tasting. Yeah, bourbon, bourbon tasting. Right. But if you are interested in a, a great quantity and quality and a, a diverse uh, selection of beers, go into Kenny's Groceries, Orange City, 1792 and French Avenue, and tell them that you heard about them on Surviving the Badge. All right, so tonight's case, oh, well, let's go into the uh, our fallen officers. officers. I'm so, sorry. Um, like I said earlier this year, I'm going to, every once in a while, I'll pick up some unique cases and this year's been a little weird we have two cases um and it's really i mean a death of an officer is bad enough but mm-hmm. a suicide is even worse so um mm-hmm. i'm going to talk about two of those cases new year's eve st lucie county sheriff's deputy clayton osteen and um deputy victoria pachinko or Pecchio uh osteen marine uh, police officer, great. Uh, Pacheco, these are just a couple of great uh, deputies for uh, St. Lucie County. New Year's Eve, um, 
Let's see. Uh, Deputy Osteen attempted to commit suicide and was taken off life support a few days later. They had a child together, and within just a few days, his, the, uh, uh, his girlfriend, I, I guess they weren't married yet, um, she committed suicide just a few days after he had done it. So she was unable to uh, handle the grief of his, her partner, um, life partner, or whatever, whatever they were calling um their yeah, their relationship. So, in all appearances, they were a great couple. Everything seemed to be fine. Um, they investigated it, and they didn't see. They couldn't find any apparent reasoning bet- behind this. Um, the sheriff he gave a statement that they were implementing more awareness programs. Apparently, there is an app out there. I don't. I don't know what the app is. We might have to look into it. But it's an app that the officers, if an officer is having a, an incident, a, uh, an emotional incident, they can reach out and it will immediately contact them with a counselor or, or some type, type of support. So, Mark, um, if you're listening to this, and I hope you are, if you're aware of this, will you give us a comment down below and let us know if you've heard of this app or if there's one similar to that? Um, our good buddy Mark DeBona is is um, a big time awareness counselor. Does um, appearances all over the United States in reference to situations just like this. So, Mark, if you know, let us know. Thanks. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, second case, second case just happened this past week, um, weekend, January 29th. Um, you had there was two deputies who were vacationing in St. Augustine. Um, and they were deputies from the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, and they were uh, vacationing with a couple other, uh, two other couple, well, one other couple, two other people. And apparently one night they were arguing, and the other couple heard a gunshot. And it was a murder-suicide of uh, a deputy and then um, himself. Was himself a deputy as well? Yes, they were both deputies. Yeah, so wow. he, he had killed... He, the, uh, the, the male deputy, killed his girlfriend and then killed himself. And our statues, I mean, I'm sorry, not our statues, our numbers that we give for officers killed in line of duty, they do not reflect suicide. They do right? not reflect. There, there are websites that track right. um, uh, suicide, officer suicides. Right. And I tried to look it up for this year so far. And it was a little conflicting from different websites, so I didn't want to put out the number of suicides this year for officers. But unfortunately, it is and has been for quite some time in a, 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 an issue in law enforcement of suicides. It's very alarming, the number of suicides in police work. It, it's really scary. I mean, the, the number is have like you, a crazy number. Have you ever known somebody? Um, yes, actually I yeah. did. Um, unfortunately though, actually I knew two, um, one worked for an agency next to ours and he was beloved by everybody. And, uh-huh. uh, it was a shame. I mean, it, right. a young kid, man, had his right. world ahead of him and everything else. You knew him. I mean, yeah. it was just, it, it, it broke my heart when yeah. I heard about it. Um, the other one, the guy actually, um, he wasn't law enforcement anymore. I went to the academy with him and he actually went off the deep end, committed a crime, got taken off the police force, and then it killed himself. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a shame. But the one in the agency next to us was, um, um, it tore me up. Yeah, and I know terrible. a couple from up north. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's, 
it's a tragedy, and you know, I mean, like you said in one of our earliest episodes, okay, about the only people who can understand what we deal with in law enforcement is the military and firefighting. Yeah, you know, firefighting EMS. For sure, um, it's some of the things we got to deal with would. You know, crack the rock of Gibraltar. Yeah, blow your mind. You know, yeah, and we're expected to just just keep on going. Suck it come, up and come, do the job. Come right. to work the next day. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, here at Surviving the Badge, I'm telling you right now, if you send us an email at retiredcopsrule at gmail.com, I immediately get an alert on my phone. I believe I believe Camille mm-hmm. does. Yep. Um that we have an email, and unless I am, like, extremely in the middle of something busy or something, I always pop right on there and see. If you're having an issue and you feel like that one of us is, you know, can help you in any way, shape, or form, please jump on there and send us an email or a Facebook message. Um, We're on Messenger on Facebook. You can send that, and I get an alert on that, too. Please reach out to us. I will put you in contact with someone Within five minutes, I will have somebody on the phone with you that can help you. Absolutely. Don't go through this alone. Please reach out. We are totally a brotherhood. We want to help you guys out as, as best as we can. Because we still got your six. Absolutely. 100%. All right. Always. So to our fallen officers, God bless you. Prayers to your families and everyone else. Absolutely. All right. I have a trivia question for this week. Uh, John, you want to... Th- so we are giving out um, classic Perfect. Surviving the Badge uh, merch stickers. These are great stickers. Yes, they uh, are. For your car or whatever, your uh, notebook or your That computer. is our old logo on the sticker, which I think is pretty badass. And uh, we had to change it. And if you go back a few episodes, you'll see why we had to change it. But we had to change it due to some uh, copyright issues. Or yeah. Whatever. Oh, um, yeah. On the screen is our new logo. And we're going to get some stickers. But let's face it, guys. We're not rich. As soon as we go through these others, we'll get some new stickers. Out. So uh, the, the trivia question today okay. is, uh, who is recognized as the first law enforcement officer in the United States to be killed in the line of duty? I'll give you a hint. It was in the 1700s. So if you know the answer to that... Oh, wait. Go ahead. He survived. I'm sorry. What? Well, he's still alive, so he... Oh, 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 1700s? I mean, it's... The only cop I know is serving in 1700s. I'm sorry. He's a smart ass. Dude, how did you transition from muskets to glocks? I'm just wondering. (laughs) It was tough. Well, no, it was actually muskets to revolvers to glocks. There you go. (laughs) So if you know the answer to that, you must be a subscriber on YouTube. Send us a um, comment or put a comment down below um, what the answer to that question is. Repeat it one more time. Who is recognized as the first law enforcement officer in the United States to be killed in the line of duty? And I'll give you a hint. It was in the 1700s, and it was not LT. Okay, so subscribe and like. We appreciate that very much. It really helps us out. If you like the content you're hearing, or if you have ideas for more content, throw it out. Throw it in the comments. Send us an email, retiredcopsrule at gmail.com. To win the stickers, you must comment on the YouTube channel, and uh, you must be a subscriber. And we will send you a sticker. I'll reach out to you, message you. 
and, and we will um, get the stickers out to you. By the way, an announcement. What? Yes. Two shows ago, maybe three, Vicky gave us the answer yes. to our trivia question. Right. Yep. And I forget what it was now. I'd have to go back through the email and look. But, or, I mean, the through question? the comments. Uh, it was the Miranda okay. question. Right. Okay. And she won. And I delivered her a sticker in person. In Whoa. person, because she lives locally, and I've known her for. So, will you years. deliver everybody? Deliver everybody's sticker to them. That's a negative. Oh. I will deliver them via U.S. mail. <laughs> <laughs> Not personal, huh? Not personal. All right. All so right, let's roll. Speaking of personal, I don't want you take, taking this personal. So here we go. It is. It is the murder of a lieutenant. Okay, I mean, I know uh, personal, oh, Lieutenant's murdered. LTs, targets on their backs, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, that's some um, of the people I work with. This case is the oldest um, cold case. Case <laughs> <laughs> is the oldest cold case murder solved regarding law enforcement. It's uh, the case of Lieutenant Joe Clark. 35 years. 35 years. February 7th, 1981. That is his picture on the screen right now of Lieutenant Joe. 81, I was 11. And he was a sheriff's deputy? Yes. He was a sheriff's deputy for the Washington County Sheriff's Office, which is in Ohio. And Speaking of 81, so I was, I was 11. You were, what, 45? Wow. I'm just, I don't know. Uh, you can do the math that quick. I'm amazed. Thank you. Appreciate you know that. Huh? Right. Hey, uh, 81. <laughs> 81. Man, I was 16. Yeah. 16 years on the job already? <laughs> wow. Right. Okay, I quit. I'm leaving. Bye. So, Lieutenant uh, Joe Clark, he is at home, and it's the evening, and he and his wife are watching TV or whatever, you know, whatever they did in, the eight, in 81. And he's like, hey, honey, I'm going to go get a snack in the uh, in the kitchen. And he's like, la, 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 la. He goes in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, the wife reports later, she heard what sounded like an explosion. Runs in there, and he's laying on the floor dead, bleeding. And she's like, maybe, she what she thought originally was he had a heart attack, fell, and that's what made the noise. Right. And there was blood, right. maybe hit her, hit his head. Right. Called the cops. Get, they get there, and... They're investigating, and they're like, why is this window blown out? Why is this window blown out? Why is there um, shotgun pellets in the ceiling? Dun, dun, dun. We have a murder. For those of you, unfortunately, if you don't know, a shotgun, depending on the length of the barrel, when pellets come out of a shotgun, they go like this in a big... Circular patterns and depending, going. right? Scattered, depending on yeah. the choke of the of the barrel, you know, that's put in the barrel. Depending on what type of shell, and depending on the length of the barrel and the distance away, is how far they spread. They they can spread a piece, a full sheet of four by eight plywood from fifteen yards. If you've got a full choke, choke short, I mean, a open choke. Short barrel, boom! I mean, it'll spread yeah. wide open. Uh, so. and, it, and it's funny you mentioned fifteen yards because, so, cops get there, they're investigating, and they 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 find a window broken. They found um, shotgun pellets in the ceiling. They um, go in the backyard and they find a tree, and around the tree is military style boot prints. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And they found a, uh, a number four buckshot shell casing laying on the ground at the, the base of the tree. So what they, what they figured was wow. that somebody had, was standing there waiting for him to come into you know, an open and then, and then take him out. 1981, what was going on? What was the largest crime issue in the 80s? Crack or carjacking? Well, in the mid mid eighties and a little later, it was crack. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go. So we're we're gonna go that line. So yeah. what they were thinking, because Joe Lieutenant Clark was in charge of cracking down. Eh, sorry, sorry for the pun. <laughs> cracking down <laughs> on the uh, emerging crack epidemic in that area, and he was he was making arrests, he was announcing, we're going to do some major busts, all that kind of stuff. Oh, back when cops could be cops. When cops could be cops, absolutely. Okay. Kicking indoors, you know. Would the A's prosecute them? Yes. They, At that yes. time, they would. Now, unfortunately, because of a lot, especially in Florida, a lot of the uh, uh, sentencing, they'd get out in minimum amount of time, but that's, a, that's yeah. for a different episode. So he he was in charge of a, a plan. He was putting a plan together to down to bust a lot of a lot of dopers, a lot of things. And so they're thinking, well, maybe this is a drug hit. You know, somebody was taking him out to take him out of the equation to protect themselves. Yes. Um, just real quick, a twelve gauge buckshot shotgun cartridge, number four size. The typical um, number of pellets are 21 pellets of 6-millimeter shot. Right. So you have 6-millimeter pellets, 21 of them coming at whoever you're shooting at. Just to give you a reference. Look at our research department there kicking ass, right? (laughs) All right. That's because got my Wi-Fi password. (laughs) He's all over it. Yeah, uh, I'm changing his bank accounts right now. <laughs> um, what what bolsters? Oh, good, because you're adding money. Because I got nothing, <laughs> right? So what? Because we have no viewers. Come on, listen. Come on, subscribe. <laughs> so what bolstered this thought was two days later, a local drug dealer in the same county was also murdered, and this drug dealer, guess what? CI of Lieutenant Clark. Oh, the plot thickens. Documented CI. Dun, dun, dun. I'm sure. I, I don't know what they did in 1981. Things were a little loose. Well, we documented them in the 86, 87. We were documenting. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. had to document them. Yeah. yeah. But you also, there were plenty of undocumented CI. Oh, absolutely. So they thought that the two murders were connected. See the shield. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're, they're working the case. They also came across a lot of witnesses who who said that they noticed a blue Ford Pinto parked relatively in the area for a long time, and the driver was just sitting there. And anytime anybody would walk by, it'd be like, you know, kind of like disguising his face or hiding his face. Um, so that was that was part of that. Um, several. Drug dealers were brought in, questioned, interrogated, and but no arrests were made. Nobody they, they were not able to find anything that really hammered home who may have murdered uh, Lieutenant uh, Clark. Nineteen eighty one. 
Well, case goes cold. Even if they had DNA back then, I mean, where they could use mm-hmm. it, you know, and it was like it is now, if he didn't eject the shotgun shell, right. there's no touch DNA from the shotgun shell. So if he just fired one time and didn't eject it, unless it was a semi-auto, right. and ejected it automatically, and then he picked it up, without anything like that, boot prints, okay, we sold 14.5 million pairs of those boots. Yeah. You know, so yeah. and then there was a shell casing left, but there was you you mentioned uh, touch DNA that what the two thousands absolutely yeah I mean, absolutely. many many I mean even DNA wasn't used officially until nineteen eighty six so six years later five years later yeah but the touch very DNA still isn't hundred percent accepted right yeah so it's a it's well, a modern the thing. side of that casing and, and on a on a regular like birdshot load. The metal part of that casing is only about that wide. Yes. So it's very small. You could fingerprint it. You could. You could. Yep. And they I probably mean, did. But you're only going to get, you know. Well, not only parcel. that, if, if I have a shell casing and I load it into the, and I fire it, you've got all those gases that's going to wipe out that Contaminate a lot of it. Right. Yeah. May yeah. or may not right. be anything. And if it is, you're talking a fingerprint, you know, partial about like that. Right. So, yeah. Very so, hard. They talked to people, they worked it, they're just, it went cold. Right. Yep. A lot of them do. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so, November 2012, I don't do the math, whatever that is, from 81 to 2012, the sheriff's office said, hey, you know what we should do? We should start a cold case squad. We should start, we should start a cold case squad. And guess what? The very first case that they looked at. As they should, Hello. one of their own, one of their own brothers. So they 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 said, okay, cold case squad, Lieutenant Clark, right? And they they started looking at it, and and they're like, okay, let's look at the the whole picture. Um, they brought the house was still there. It was not remodeled or anything. People had come in and come gone, but they didn't they didn't make any changes. So they asked the people, hey. We're working this cold case investigation. Do you mind if we bring in some high-tech equipment and do some laser measuring and, and all that? And they figured that the, the shot was 31 feet from the kitchen window, which is neat because I know you haven't studied this case, but you, fit, you said 15 yards, which is about 30 feet. 45. <laughs> so it's um, still very close. I mean, to so they, I they figured about 31 feet was from the tree to the to where he was standing. Um, and what they did is they they said, okay, we're the looking spray at... spray pattern? Yes. They, they said... Because it's conical. Right. You ever watch numbers? Every, everything has a number, you know, and you can figure it out if you know the numbers. But it comes out of the gun, and it just goes like this. Mm-hmm. With the same pattern. Boom. Well, I don't know if it's the same pattern, because you got chaos well, theory in yeah, there. But, but it's essentially, you're right. Right. So what they did is they went to the range and they tried shooting a bunch of different guns to see what matched the pattern, like you're saying. With number fours. With number fours. And they knew they had that. We say they, they had that. Probably. Yep. Yep. And they had different wind barrels. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so guess what they found out? So when I, my research didn't tell me exactly, and this is a, a question I have for you. So they determined that the shotgun was a police-style shotgun. 86. When was your first year in law enforcement? 85. 
19 or 18? Uh, Both. <laughs> 870s? Yeah. Huh? Shotguns, 870s? Yeah, 870s. All right, uh, so... With the extension tube for to load more rounds. Right. So the barrels so, were very short. Right. They weren't very long. No, they were not hunted for hunting. They were not for hunting or for, for turkey shooting or anything right. else. Um, so, yeah, the spray pattern on that would be quite a bit larger than on a turkey gun, duck gun, something like that with a very long 28-inch barrel. I would say those are probably the barrels on those, probably 18 to 22 max, probably 22. Yeah. Somewhere in that area. So for for you guys listening or, or watching Remington 870, that's kind of like, and were you guys, you guys didn't use shotguns. Did you? Or oh, absolutely. Was it still the Renekin 870? Yeah, I actually, you know, I started in 99. We'd already issued, went to the MP5s. Never issued a, a shotgun. Yeah, my entire, my entire career from when I got out of the, from the Academy, which was 88, to when I left, it was 870s. Yeah. Remington now, 870s. Let me, let me just ask you a question, though, and totally off topic, other than shotguns. Is there anything more intimidating than the sound of a shotgun no. racking? No. no. It's an awesome and devastating no. weapon. I, I remember we're on a felony stop. There's like 17 cops, you know, all, you know, it's a carjacking suspect and all that stuff. And we all got our handguns thrown. Show your hands, show your hands. And one officer gets on scene and he racks a shotgun. And I think everyone was like, what? Yeah, you can hear it for oh, a oh, for a block away yeah. if he racks it hard and, and, and it's like one of those. And everybody, it's like the, when the bad guy comes into the saloon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when a shotgun is racked. Absolutely. For sure. All right, especially in a tense situation. So they narrowed it down to a police style, and 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 my research didn't say Remington 870. If anybody knows exactly what the weapon is, let us know in the comments section. But I kind of figured it. And here's another thing. With a 12-gauge, unlike a rifle or a handgun, there are no lands and grooves inside of a, a shotgun barrel. So there's no way you can get ballistics off of the pellets that come out of a shotgun um, shell because it's a smooth bore weapon slick as a baby's behind and when it comes out it just comes straight out you know and then does its spread pattern so there there's no way to get real ballistics off of the lead or anything off else that lands and grooves it, it or off, the, like a, off the showcasing you can but there is for the extractor the extractor right. the ejector right. or the breech phase it's yeah. almost like an automatic bb gun yes yeah pretty yeah. much yeah. Yeah, so they started even. looking at law enforcement, and they started looking into Lieutenant Clark's, you know, who would have, who might have a grudge against the lieutenant. Um, and they, they found an individual. So I, I forgot the individual's name. Bobby, Bobby Joe. No, the suspect. Uh, so there was a suspect arrested for burglary. And officer, patrol officer arrests this knucklehead for burglary and apparently you know some you know some of those suspects will just run their gator you know the entire time to the station trying to get out of trouble yep just blah 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 f you f you pig 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 oh that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah right you know you're a piece of shit blah blah didn't like this burglar running his gator in the back seat 
Guess what he did? Pulled over, dragged him out, and beat him alongside the road. Not didn't pull a, a dog, um, but just act, outright beat this guy. You know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so like a certain agency up north. I'm not going to say which city. It might be Gotham, where you know, really knucklehead. Arrestees tended to fall upstairs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so did so, he even take the handcuffs off of him? I you know what I, I don't know wow. if he did. So this, him a fight the this suspect, after he got out, he filed a complaint. Yeah. That he got beat. He, he filed a complaint and with, he should have with the sheriff's office that there was police brutality. Well, guess who looked into the IA investigation? Lieutenant Joe Clark. What? Wow. Yes. So Lieutenant Clark um, looked at, did conducted an internal investigation, and the investigation was founded. And he ended up firing or suggested. So how does that work? Recommended the term. How does that? How does that work? Well, it depends on your rank structure and if they have the ability or the power to fire them, because the city we worked at, um, when I first started there, the chief of police had the ability to hire and fire. Um, but as the years went along, that power was given to the city manager. Okay. So it just depends, or the mayor, you know, in some agencies it's the mayor, city manager, the commissioner, right. whatever it is. Um, but I can almost guarantee that 99.5% of the time, if the chief says fire his or her ass, the city manager is going to Go say... To what do you got on them? Okay, fire them. Right. And you're fired. My no, research... Yeah. Most and, of the time. And, and my research... I, I'm not buying my research because it said Lieutenant Clark fired him. I'm like, he's just a lieutenant. He, he's going to have to go through the well, show. Well, in 1981, he could have had that power to relieve him of duty and take his weapon and everything else, and then the chief just made it official. Okay. So, All I right. mean, because, I mean, I, and I'm not, what agency was it? Washington County Sheriff's Office in Ohio. Okay, and I, I don't know how large that agency is and mm. stuff like that. And it doesn't necessarily, but like, I mean, you go to certain agencies where, like, IAB or Internal Affairs, whatever it is, okay, I mean, they pretty much lay down the law. If they say you're suspended, you're, you know, right. I mean, that's essentially a termination. Well, like LT said, they do it. The chief makes it official, and, and the sheriff makes it the official. We don't know the size, so back then, a lieutenant could have been the, the second, chief deputy, second or, or third in command. Right, right. And yeah. he could have just said, you know, hey, sheriff, this lieutenant Joe, this is what happened. I found that it actually did happen. I fired his ass. Chief says, good to me. Okay. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Right. You know, anyway, I, so I may so not have the under either. Either under the recommendations Clark. of Lieutenant Clark or by Lieutenant Clark, um, this officer was was terminated, and his name was Mitchell Rubel. Let's um, just put it this way. He was responsible for his termination. Yeah. Well, no. The officer was responsible for his... No, I'm saying yeah. for his final termination. <laughs> yes. Lieutenant Joe uh, Clark. Apparent, and, and all witnesses said that this officer did not take it well. He was pretty angry about it. And um, did not, did not, was, 
he's like, oh, that's, that sucks, firing me for beating somebody. Is we don't is. know if that's actually what he said. I that, think that's, that's quote, quote, unquote. That, that is... <laughs> That it's is, a real reenactment. That is Camille's interpretation of what this guy said. So that was Camille's, you know, actual. Well, I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, Mitchell Rubel. So a little Irritation. bit of little bit of background yeah. uh, on Rubel. Uh, my prior, prior military care. joining. He was military prior to joining the, the sheriff's office. He wore military or police style boots. And a lot of research, they say military, and then I'm thinking, our agency always issued us our boots, which are very similar to military boots, police boots and military boots right. that are essentially one and the same. Gee, because it's a paramilitary organization. Right. Um, he, I have his picture up there now okay. for our viewers. This is Joe Rubel, or I'm sorry, Joe Clark. Uh, no, this is Rubel um, when he was arrested. Sorry. Uh, so he, uh, he owned several guns. He had the same type of gun that was used to kill Joe Clark. Uh, he actually submitted a memo to the sheriff's office because he's a big gun guy. And what do you think the memo said? Prior to his, all this stuff, he said, hey, you know what? I think we should transition our ammo to number four buckshot, which was used in the murder. So he submitted that memo. His wife, guess what she owned? A 12-gauge shotgun. No. A blue Ford Pinto. Ah. That was seen in the area. Bum, 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 dun, dun, dun. Um, wow. Right? So when they talked to Rubel 31 years later, he said, No, 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 no. I was hanging out with my buddy. And, uh, you know, we were hanging out, whatever, doing buddy things. And they go to the buddy and they said, Hey, what's going on? What, what, what happened? He's like, yeah, well, whatever, uh, whatever, you know, Mitchell Rubel said. Says, yeah. Whatever Rubel said I was doing. And But he was, like, really vague on what they were doing. And they're like, eh. So, what do you guys do with this al- alibi witness? Oh, there's a wet noodle coming out somewhere. <laughs> so they, they offered him immunity. Okay. Well, actually, good, good point, but... Can officers offer immunity? No, no, you're right. Officers cannot officer offer immunity. But they got what the state attorney says. This alibi witness knows more. Absolutely. And he's better as a witness than he is a defendant. Again, pointing out, referencing previous shows, the importance of law enforcement working with the state attorney, prosecutor, district attorney, whatever your your jurisdiction has. That is why it's important that these two arms of criminal justice are able to work together. It was great because I had my old buddy. Synergy. I had my old buddy, Tom Brigman, worked for the SAO. He's retired now. I could call Tom, didn't matter what time, didn't matter when. I could, he gave me his personal cell phone number, and I could call him, be out there in the street, Hey, Tom, look, this is what we got. And I didn't abuse it. I called him yeah. on just the bigger stuff and yeah. something that was really weird. Right. And then he'd say, if he didn't know the answer or he wasn't comfortable giving me a direct answer, he goes, can you give me a little while? I'll get back to you. And I'm like, absolutely. And he'd get right back to me. And it was so freaking awesome because I know cops that go their whole career 
and they know state attorney. Now, he wasn't the state attorney. He was an assistant state attorney. But they're, they're the ones who do all the work anyway. Right, and yeah. he was in charge of a division. But I know cops that go through their entire career that never have a cell phone number of an assistant state attorney that they can call any time. And it was just one of those things in my pocket. Yeah. And, you know, it, when the law books fail you, you know, and procedures fail you, and you've got one of those wacko weird cases where you think, eh, let me just run it by them, it is invaluable. So if you're listening and you've got a state attorney who you've got a pretty good rapport with and they don't mind giving you that cell phone number, don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Don't call them freaking every, every time you pull over somebody or every time you go do a search warrant. But if it's something weird or something that's a little eh, call them. And, and if you can have that relationship, oh, my God, it's invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, and this is probably the same for you. When I was in CID, every, every week we had assistant state attorney come into CID. We'd sit down. And we just talk about cases. Yeah. Hey, we got this case. We got oh, this case. Yeah. What do you think about this? And Tom was one of them, and he used to take his shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody laughed. The worst thing is, Tom was up there. We were going through transition and different state attorneys, and almost never. Really? Yes. That sucks. Yeah, it did. It was always nice. Bart hey, Snyder. We've we've got we've got Bart, these. Bart left, and then they they know, just kept cycling through different. Yeah. yeah. Bart was great. Though. ASAs. Bart was great. Right. But you know, I mean, but it is integral for the safety of the community. Yeah. It really is to have that good working relationship. To have a good working relationship, not an animosity-filled relationship where, you know, the state attorney is like, you know, we're not going to file any charges from the officers from this department. It's like, no, we've got to work together because they're all part of the criminal justice system. They're an integral part. So did they give him immunity? So they decided that they were going to give this witness um, immunity. His name was Todd Smith, and they said, listen, Whatever, whatever, hap- whatever you did in this case, we're not going to charge you. We want the bigger fish. And he spilled the beans. He said, listen. Awesome. He said, Ruble came over to me, my house one night, and this is pretty recent after a firing, and he says, I need you to drive me somewhere. Got my wife's car, and I need that shotgun that I let you borrow. And... Ruble uh, borrow. Uh, Smith is in the, in the patent driver's side. Ruble gets out, and Smith's like, God, he's gone a long time. Wow. And people are coming by, and he was like freaking out. And then he hears the shotgun. And just moments later, Ruble gets in the car. And, brrr, and he gets home, and he says, If you tell anybody, I will kill you. And so he never said anything. Wow. And, well, uh, I mean, if someone who just killed someone. <laughs> it says if you tell anyone I will kill you, I kind of think he might mean it. Right. <laughs> like, oh, this isn't just one of those idle threats. So right. how'd the prosecution go? So um they actually, one step more, they contacted all of Ruble's like war buddies and Air Force buddies and said, Hey, does anybody did anybody buy a shotgun from this guy? I did. So they actually found the murder. No, not me. Oh. <laughs> so oh, one okay. of his friends said, yeah, I bought this gun from him years ago, and it was a murder weapon. 
They matched the extractor. They matched the, it, it was the murder weapon that was used from the shell casing. So they charged him. Um, he was arrested September 9th, 2014 for the murder of Joe Clark in 81. Um, found guilty. Golf clap. Golf clap. Well, it was found, golf clap. <laughs> he was found guilty in 2016. He was sentenced to life in prison. That all sounds great. We were like, yay, high-fiving. Died one year later. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just Karma. saying. Yeah, no, but the thing is, it would have been really nice if he had spent... A lot more time in prison. We had we had one year in prison. Yeah, you know, he, he he essentially spent a misdemeanor sentence in prison. I found yeah. it very interesting on this case because I was reviewing it and you know doing a little research that when and actually they had a mistrial on this. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Know there that. was a mistrial. It was a hung jury. It well, was they, even up. That makes sense because there's two years between the arrest. Right. It was and an the, even up trial. The okay. jury, you know, they, they just couldn't come to a you know a, a thing, um, a verdict. So they retried him right. again, yep. a second trial, which is not in violation of double jeopardy because he was not found convicted. That's correct. Or they were found in it, or not guilty. There was or not guilty. Right. So they said they retired the verdict. Is what okay. they did. And then they retried him, and they found him guilty unanimous, obviously. Right. Found him guilty. But when he was found guilty afterwards, outside of the courthouse or wherever it happened, the family members of Rubel and the family members of Clark were seen hugging really? each other. See, I don't know if I could do that. But I think why is because the family members of Rubel probably had no idea that he had done this. And they were probably just as appalled at his behavior. Right. And they probably walked over to Clark's family and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, our condolences and everything else. And these were probably very good people, right. Clark's family, and yeah. said, you know what? It, it happened 35 years ago or 31 at that time, 32, yeah. whatever. Let, let You know. Let's just whatever. And they hugged it out, I guess, or whatever. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. You don't see that very often where a no, family no. of a murderer and a family of the deceased, you know, hug it out. So it, it was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. That just goes to show you that people can forgive someone and, or their family. Or not hold anyway. the family right. accountable for. They weren't involved. In right. This. And there was no evidence showing that they were involved yeah. in this. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Last comments that I have is I thought this was a really interesting case, 30-something years, mm-hmm. one of the longest uh, cold case Crazy. regarding law enforcement, finally solved. Crazy. I just It was a bummer when I read that he died one year after prison. So. Yeah, but at least he's dead. At least he's dead. I don't know if they have the death penalty there. Obviously not no, because, they, because they because they prison to life yeah. instead of the death penalty. Right. So you know what? In essence, it was a death penalty. Yeah. So good. Screw him. Right. Absolutely. POS. And and that was not personal LT. You know, I just wanted to talk, you know, just because it was a lieutenant. Was, <laughs> we're not trying to bump you off or anything. Well, listen, um, guys, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we are planning on doing more and more interesting cases as we move along here. Please, if you guys have any idea at all of a case that you want us to look into, investigate, talk about, give you some more information on, or anything like that, send us an email, comment on there on our comments, 
down below. And uh, make sure you hit that like and that subscribe button. It really helps us out a lot if you're on YouTube. But you can send us an email at retiredcopsrule at gmail.com. Um, I get a notification immediately as soon as those pop up. I always check them. So does Camille um, on the uh, Facebook Messenger. We're on Facebook, Surviving the Badge. You can go on there. You can share some things with us. Send us messages. You can watch the episodes. There. You can watch the episodes. There's a direct link to YouTube from Facebook. We always put a link on Facebook that takes you right to the YouTube episode. Yeah. We're on Twitter. We're on Twitter and on TikTok. These old guys decided to do TikTok. And next that thing old you, guy. Next thing you know, yeah. next thing you know, they'll be doing TikTok dances. Who oh, knows? I'm going to be doing some dances, trust me. <laughs> yes. You don't want to see me dancing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard him sing, and, and all the cats left the entire neighborhood. So it was pretty You're going to get the lawnmower, the sprinkler, and the shopping cart. Hey, That's some news, some news, some updated news. We are going to start doing some shorts on, uh, on YouTube. They're going to be called Ronnie's Rants. And I may do some other shorts where I pull different segments out of these videos and put them on there as little shorts. So stay tuned for those. They won't be more than a minute or two long, maybe three minutes max. So you can pop in and view those and give us a like and you know on those too. We really appreciate it very much. If you subscribe, we won't send the SWAT team to kick your door in. That's true. If you don't subscribe, we probably still won't <laughs> send the SWAT team. John, well, no, because that's a clarification so that we don't get. You know, canceled because we threatened them. Eh. Listen, our merchandise is out there. It's on T Public. If you look on our Facebook page, we have a link to our merchandise page. Um, we have a new logo. It's on the screen there, as you can see. Um, this is the old logo here, but we do have as some stickers. So if you answer the question that we posed at the beginning of the episode and comment, and you are a subscriber, we will mail you out a. a uh, sticker so i don't have anything else guys great show great job yep. thanks for doing all the research on that that was amazing and just remember at surviving the badge we still, we still got your six heck yeah